This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Just a little gift from us. Um, sorry, one more over there. But thank you so much. And friends, if you would like to join our family, uh, our next Get Connected is going to be on the 4th of September. And um, I think it's going to be a really a great opportunity for you and I just to come to know more of who we are as a church and how we operate and how you and I can make a difference together. Wonderful. Here is some Svir. Are you guys doing well? I'm just so, I'm just so in, encouraged just to see what God is doing. Lives being changed, impacted. We've been getting so many great testimonies from people um, just saying how this week the coffee drops, how God just impacted their lives as someone gave them a smile and a warm cup, warm cup of coffee. Um, one lady's car actually stalled at the robot. She's part of our community as a church. And there we are, ready to give her a push and a cup of coffee. Hey, how's that? <laughs> so uh, it's amazing. You know, our children are not the only people that help people at, at intersections. Hey. But friends, as, as Chris mentioned, we are doing a kind of an introduction today to our purpose campaign. And I have got such an expectation because I'm convinced that God is going to transform all of our lives as we yield ourselves to Him. Now, some of us might be, you might be like, Gareth, I'm, I've already chosen my career, or I've lived a lifetime, and there's, there's no changes. There's nothing on the horizon for me. I don't think anything's going to change, really. I think I've settled a few things. But as I've journeyed with God, I've found that as much as my career and my, my life and, and circumstances can change, it's really helpful for me to continually lean into God's voice, God's heart for me. And, I, and if you're here today and you're far from God and, and you've come because someone's invited you and, and you're just checking this out, I, you're in the right place because all of us are seeking in some way. All of us are, are wanting to lean into and to hear what God is wanting to say and reveal. And that's really what it's all about. It's about a willingness to go on a journey together. So if we can, um, we can do that together today, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence and your power that's available to us right now. And I pray, Lord, that as I share, as I preach and proclaim your word to your people, Lord, that we would come to know and experience you, we would enjoy you, and that we would actually walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So those of you that have heard about Albert Einstein, he, he seemed to have more trouble finding his way home than he did figuring out or finding ways to split atoms and to make atomic bombs. Because the story goes where Albert Einstein would take the same train home every single day. But on one occasion, he was deep in thought, obviously contemplating the meaning of life and how, you know, how, whatever geniuses think about. I don't know what genius thinks. I'm not in that category. But, and while he was deep, deep in thought, the porter came around to collect his ticket. And so... Albert was all of a sudden looking, checking in his, his coat and in his shirt and pockets and looking around his briefcase and he just could not find his ticket. And so the porter said to him, uh, that's okay, Dr. Einstein, I know you ride this train every day. I can collect it from you tomorrow. That's fine for you, young man, said Einstein, but how am I supposed to know where to get off without my ticket. (laughs) 
Sometimes we can have all of the resources available to us and still find ourselves not really knowing where we are or where we're going. And that's really the purpose of this purpose campaign or series. We are constantly on a journey of discovery. And today I'm going to lean on uh, some of the things that, that Rick Warren shared uh, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, which is a great book if you, if you are wanting to discover more of that and just want to go into a, a bit of a deeper expression of that. And so I really want to credit him in this, this way, but he says that we basically ask three questions when it comes to purpose. The first question we ask is the question of existence. Why am I alive? Why are you alive? Is it just to wake up? Have something to eat, go to work, come home, have something more to eat, go to sleep, you know, sleep, eat, work, eat, sleep, like repeat, repeat. Is that, is that really the purpose of your life? Is that really what you are called to? The interesting thing is that it's a question that all of us have been asking for ages and generations. And what I'm encouraged by is that many authors and characters in the Bible have been asking that same question. It's okay for us to ask those questions. Jeremiah um, says in, in Jeremiah 20 verse 18, he says, Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow, to end my life in disgrace? Doesn't, he doesn't have a very positive outlook on life, but he's asking the question, why? What is the purpose for my life? The second question you and I ask is the question of significance. That question is formed or framed in such a way, basically to say, is there some meaning or purpose to my life? Not for my life, to my life. Is there some significant thing that you and I are supposed to do and accomplish? Or is all the activity, does it, does it just, you know, I'm here today and gone tomorrow? Or is there actually some significance that lives beyond my life today? David asks this question in Psalm 89, verse 47. It says, I remember how short my life is. In other words, he knows it's short. We don't have a lot of time. I just did a funeral on Friday of, of someone that lived a good long life, 84 years old. But earlier this year, I, I buried someone that was 36. Was diagnosed with a, a, a brain tumor in, in March, but passed away in July. Three months, was gone. Our lives are fleeting, friends. And unless we come to an understanding of answering some of these questions and in a sense align ourselves with what truly is a life of purpose, I think we could miss the boat and actually be supportive of God by that. Job also asked this question, why should I work so hard for nothing? Solomon, the great wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes, or Prediker, for those of you that are Afrikaans, he says, laughing and having fun is crazy. What good does it do? <laughs> so if I work hard for Job, he's like, there's no, no point in working hard. And even if I have some pleasures, Solomon says, this also comes to nothing. But friends, those things are not bad things. But if I find my purpose in those things, they're meaningless. And that's what we want to discover. That's what, what we want to begin to walk out and experience. The third question that you and I ask when it comes to our purpose is the question of intention. Is there a purpose for my life? You saw in our promotional video that it says some, some of us think of life as a clean canvas that I could just sort of figure out as I go. 
Others see it actually more that there is an outline that's already been formed. And it is you and I lean into and discover what those, that outline is and how we can fill in the picture, the picture becomes more and more clear. And I'm, I love the way that God, in His sovereignty and His love and grace, is willing to embrace us on the journey. And that's really what I want you to open your heart for. I think there are a number of different, different um, purposes that God has given or ways in which we can express that. Uh, but I believe that God wants us to know that there is a specific purpose for our lives. Isaiah 49 verse 4 says, My work all seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and for no purpose at all. If I'm just giving myself to those things, it means nothing. And I like what Bertrand Russell said. He was a Christian at one point in his life and then turned his back on God and became an atheist. And this is a, what he said. Unless you assume a God, the question of the purpose of life is meaningless. So here's someone that says that it doesn't exist, a God doesn't exist. But if you really want to find purpose, you've got to have some understanding that there is, God is in the equation. And in this journey together, like I said, if you're far from God today and you're feeling a bit apprehensive, I want to ask you to just open your heart and your mind say, I'm willing to, to go down the, that direction. For those of us that have been following Jesus and are a part of God's family, can you and I begin to open our hearts and minds more to say, Lord, reveal to me more of the specific things that you've called me to. Now, the, the Bible teaches that there are five purposes in our lives. We see that Jesus explains them in the Great Commission and in the Great Commandment. It's also demonstrated in the book of Acts uh, through, the, through the church. We're experiencing something of God's purposes. We express that in terms of our family and connection, devoting one another, ourselves to one another, being intentional in doing that. We also see that Paul explains it in Ephesians chapter 4, and you can go read some of those things as well. And Jesus also prays for our purpose to be revealed and unfolded in John chapter 17. So what are those purposes? The first purpose um, is that we have been planned for God's pleasure. Now, wait a minute, Gareth. I, I thought, you know, having fun and enjoying it, isn't, isn't my life just about me? Isn't it about why, you know, isn't that really what it's all about, me having a fulfilled life? Um, what's been interesting for me to see is that in, in years gone by, those of us have, that have been part of the church for many years, you've heard about the prosperity gospel, that has that become part of the church and in many ways was a distortion of the full picture of, of who God has called us and, and what, how we are supposed to live. What that gospel says is that God is my cosmic genie and if I rub him the right way, I pray the right prayers, I make the right proclamations, I read the right scriptures, I, I, I sow and I, and I put the, you know, the, the law of attraction, I put the picture of the Ferrari, or the mansion on my fridge and I call on the universe to bring it in then that's going to bring, because at the end of the day, I'm at the center of it all. It's about my pleasure. But there's a, there's a gospel that has creeped into our, our church and into the world called the gospel of purpose. Wait a minute, Gareth, but aren't we speaking about purpose now? Are we preaching the... No, no, no. The gospel of purpose says 
that God, all of God, all, all of the universe, all of people, all of the church, everything really is about the purpose that you have, and all of those things are working together so that you can live out your purpose. But that's not true because we're not the center of the universe. God is the center. And our lives revolve around Him. For many years, people believed that the, you know, the solar system, every, everything revolved around the, the earth until they realized, wait a minute, there's the sun. And everything revolves around the sun. In the same sense for us, when we put God in His rightful place at the center, everything begins to orbit and operate together in unison. And so you and I need to realize that we have been called for God's pleasure. That's part of our, uh, or plan for His pleasure. That's part of one of our purposes. And I love what John Piper says, when God is our deepest pleasure, we display Him as our highest treasure. When God is our deepest pleasure, we display Him we are experiencing Him. We express, we walk with Him in that way. He becomes everything in our lives. And this really speaks about worship. If you and I want to live a life that pleases God, it means that we live a life that worships Him. Now, what we did now when we were singing and the music team were leading us so beautifully, that is an aspect of worship. But what I'm doing right now is worship. And when you're raising your children in God's ways, that's worship. When you are faithful, when you do all things for the good, when you are doing everything with excellence, as it says in, in Philippians, when everything we do as unto the Lord, it is worship. Being faithful on time, you know, doing all the things that we're supposed to do as good citizens, those are all means and expressions of worship. And all of these things are ways in which you and I express our worship to God. I love what C.S. Lewis says, it is, he says, it is, the, uh, it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to men. So if you want to experience more of God and bring pleasure to Him, can you and I become more aware of His presence? And as we become more aware, we put our, our face towards Him, we express our love towards Him, we take a moment to bless Him. Uh, recently, Malcolm shared with us just about that, you know, John Aldrich uh, in an interview said, you know, if, if people today would just take three minutes a day to bless God, not ask for anything, just say, Lord, I love you and I thank you, just thanking God for, for who He is and what He's done, not asking Him for anything. If we could just do that, I, I think our whole life's going to be completely different. Your, your whole day would, would be different. And that's what it means to live for God's pleasure, that I'm not at the center of my world, but God is at the center of my world. John 17, verse 3 says, and this is eternal life, that we may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Friends, when we please God, we live a life that honors Him. An eternal life, a life that's of, of significance, that lives beyond this life, a life of purpose, begins with us knowing God. It's not religion. It's relationship. It's us coming to know Him and expressing that together. Ephesians 1 verse 9 says, Having made known to us the mystery of His will. Who wants to know God's mystery of His will? What is that mystery? That Christ died for us. According to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. Christ is the center. 
and God should be at the center. And when He is at the center, we live a life that pleases Him. The second purpose we have is that we have been formed for God's family. We're living for God's pleasure, but we're also living for and formed for His family. You know, I love what Rick Warren says. He says, that, you know, that we're not, we're not just believers, but we actually become belongers. God wants, doesn't want you to just be like, oh, Jesus, I, I love Jesus, but this other, those people that disappoint me, that let me down, that offend me. Anybody part of a, a, a blood family? Do you get along with all of your family members? Do you, some of you look forward to some of those those family gatherings. I, I'll be honest. My family, I love them, but sometimes I'm like, it's great, I can have a break. <laughs> so there's no perf- perfect family, but you do get healthy ones. And God wants us to be a part of and express that health. And he wants us to come into that place where we're sitting around the table. We're sitting around sharing in a meal, sharing our lives with one another. I love what um, uh, uh, Louis Giglio said in his book, just uh, you know, giving God a seat at the table. He says, you are a son or daughter of God. You are a child of the king. You are written into God's will, and you are an heir of everything God has. You are a beneficiary of the lavish love of God, which has changed you from failure to family. Grace not only cancels guilt and shame, grace redefines you. You are a beloved family member of God, and because of that, you are given a seat at the table with Almighty God. Friends, God wants to bring us into a family, into a connection, where we not only talk about it, but we actually experience it. We are able to sit across the table from one another. And it's so amazing that in the, in the New Testament, 58 times it's mentioned one another. Love one another. Do not give up fellowshipping with one another. They broke bread with one another. They were in one another's homes. One another. There is, there is an expression of faith, and we experience our purpose in God when we give ourselves to the general will of God, which is revealed in these ways. I love what Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family, his own family, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gives him great pleasure. It pleases God to bring us. He takes the lonely and puts them in a family, and we should prioritize that together. I want you to speak then about the third um, purpose that we have which is that we are created to be Christ-like. And throughout this campaign and journey, you and I are going to really begin to see practically how we are supposed to express this and experience that. Because if we put God in His rightful place and ourselves, we begin to discover more of that. We, we make the adjustments every single day. We experience that more and more. So you and I understand that we are, we are called or planned for God's pleasure. That's called worship. And we are formed for God's family. That's called discipleship. But we are now also created uh, to be Christ, like Christ. And that means to be discipled. That's discipleship. That's part of how we express and experience um, our purpose. And A.W. Tozer said, When I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, 
it resolves a great deal of anxiety. So you th- I want to quickly you hear this. So that difficult person at work that rubs you the wrong way, that's treating you badly, that's God at work helping you to become more like Jesus. You can embrace it and allow God to use it and to use you in that situation to minister and to serve, to love, to draw that person into a relationship with God, or you can resist it. But I, I, I would much rather go along with God than resist God. Some of you have got some family members. You've got a, you've got a child, a teenager that's rebellious, that doesn't want to listen. It's giving you a hard time. Your love and your willingness to allow God to shape himself in you through that relationship is worth leaning into. Don't discount the moments that we have, even the trials and the challenges, because all of those things are meant to make us more like Jesus. Can I speak to us about dealing with conflict? This is something I'm going to take a bit of an aside here quickly. But when it comes to our dealing with our offenses in, in, the, in, the, in the Christian world, it's, it's sort of become fashionable or, or acceptable or, or right or good that if someone offends you or, or wrongs you in some way, that you, you, you're not allowed to take offense. You're not allowed to get upset with the person's behavior, the way they treated you or what they said. And so what we do is we do the good Christian thing, which means we say nothing. We do nothing. We just hold it in and we take it to the Lord. And then we, we sometimes bring those things to others in prayer. I just want you to pray. Pray for me. And then everybody knows I'm talking about my wife, but they, I didn't mention my wife. I don't, we're not dealing with the situation. What's more loving, loving? If I'm raising my child and they're doing something, that's not helpful. That's going to harm them. That's harming our relationship, harming their ability to express, be a part of, a, uh, of our family. What do I do as a, as a loving father? Hey, listen here. This isn't good. Why are you doing that? And then we work it out. I, it's okay for us to be offended or to be frustrated by certain circumstances, but God has in, invited us and helping us to deal with them, which means we speak the truth in love. I'm not there to point out every single time. If I pointed out to my children every single time they did everything, they wouldn't want to do anything in my life, in my house. But when I see there's some patterns that have been unhelpful, I need to address them in love because I want to speak the truth in love. I want to let them see that their behavior is unhelpful. In the same way, your friends, your family members, don't just hold it in, but take a moment to say, listen, I've got some perceptions. I've got some experiences. Help me understand why you are doing these things. Let's talk it out. And let's sort it out. Because God wants us to live as a cohesive family together that we would become more like Jesus at the, at the end of the day. Because last time I checked, I'm not like Jesus yet. My wife, a lot more than I am. But, uh, but I'm trying, I'm trying. Rick Warren says, says the following. He says, Christ like this is not produced by imitation, but by inhabitation. If you want to become like Jesus, you and I need to be filled with Him, filled with His Word, allowing His Spirit to minister to us. 
yielding ourselves to prayer, devoting ourselves to the things that we see believers do. And as, as we looked, you know, when Chris Zilli was here with us, he was speaking to us about the first seven or eight chapters of the book of Acts. Just looking at what the disciples did. They just did what Jesus had done with them. Jesus had John, who was a close friend, someone who could put his head on, on Jesus' chest. He had Peter, James, and John, which were three closer friends that he, he shared deep things with. Then he had the 12 that were ministering with him and, and sharing life with him. And then there were the 72 that he also sent out. And then the multitudes for all of us. We need to have all of those connections because that's what makes us more like Jesus. And that's how we get the job done. Friends, can I ask you and I to abide with Christ? 1, 1 John 2 verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that which he walked. Speaking of Jesus. We want to abide with Jesus. We want to express him. If we want to become more like Jesus. We need to walk as he walked. And that's what he did. He prioritized those relationships. Our Christian walk cannot just be expressed in rows. It has to become into circles and coffee table moments when I'm sharing my deepest experiences. The fourth purpose is that we are shaped for service. And this is really important, friends. Um, when you and I understand that we have been shaped for, for, for service, it means that we've been made and equipped and empowered for the benefit of others. You know, I'm referencing my children again. I can see there's so many great and beautiful gifts in them. My eldest daughter, Abigail, she's a natural leader, good communicator, always got a plan, always got something she wants to build, something she wants to change, and often... She doesn't give anybody else a choice about helping her to do it. And I've had to just help her to see, listen, these are gifts in you and they, they're not for you. So you can fulfill your great, awesome opportunities and ideas you have. But God wants you to use that to bring others alongside you so that your ideas can benefit them as well as you. And God wants us to live in that way as well. Thomas Brooks says the best way to do Ourselves good is, by, is to be doing good to others. The best way to gather is to scatter. God wants you and I to be generous with our lives, with our gifts, our treasures, and our talents. Mother Teresa said the following, We cannot do great things on this earth, only small things with great love. And God wants to increase our love for our city, our love for those around us, in, these, in this season. I really believe that that's how we're going to express and, and walk in God's, God's presence and power and in His purpose for us. And I want to ask us to open our hearts to say that God would, and allow God to do that in our lives. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2 verse 10 says, God made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God made us to do good works which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. There are some specific things that you and I are supposed to call and to do. And some of us haven't figured out those things out. And, and the reality is, you know, your career is going to change at some point. You know, you might have lots of different careers. You might have lots of different opportunities. But the good thing is that when we yield ourselves to God, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. As long as I'm yielding and, 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 and moving that in, in that direction towards God, God wants you and I to live for the benefit of others. As a church, 
We're called to be a city on a hill, to shine our light. That's why we've been doing these coffee drops, why we are inviting people, why we are looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Matthew 5 verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You maybe have a, a, a friend or a colleague, someone that you go to gym with, and you know that they're living a life without purpose. They're far from God. And you might not have a moment to share the gospel with them. But can I encourage you to maybe invite them to a banquet? Invite them into your home? Invite them to a Sunday? A moment to, for them to encounter God so that God can begin to work out His purposes in, his li- in their lives. The last um, purpose for us is that we have been made for mission. Life is not a mission. Life has a mission. And some of us live like, yeah, it's such a mission. It's a mission. This thing. But God wants us to be on mission with Him. He, he's got a, a plan, a purpose. He's got some things that He wants to accomplish. And He wants you and I to just be Living stones being built up together, body parts, each one fulfilling its function. He doesn't want all of us to become great. I mean, there's only, there can only really be one like richest person in the world. And even if you speak to them, I'm like, just Elon, really? I really, I mean, how much more? When is enough enough? I don't know. But he's going to continue to pursue and he'll enjoy it and he's doing some good things. I'm, I'm happy for him. But that's not the real purpose of our lives. We should live for the benefit of others. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe said the following, Every person above the ordinary has a certain mission that they are called to fulfill. So if you feel like you're not extraordinary, just a little bit above ordinary, you have a mission. And when you and I are in Christ, we have a relationship with God, then the God of all the universe is living inside of you. And he has a purpose that he wants to fulfill through you. And therefore, we should yield ourselves and prepare ourselves and make ourselves ready for that as well. I love what Richard Bach said. Is how do you know if your mission in life is finished? Well, if you're still alive, it isn't. <laughs> if you're still breathing, there's still work to be done. And these are some of the purposes that God is uh, uh, unveiling for us. And I want our hearts in this this season. Isaiah, he is in the throne room, looks up to heaven, sees God in all of his glory. And then he hears the angel speak. And he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is God speaking, Who should I send? Who will go for us? And in that moment, Isaiah, I'm sure, looked around. He's like, I'm sure there's a lot of other people, good angels around here. Maybe we can go, oh, I'm the only one here. Here I am, Lord. Send me. All that God asks of us, he's not asking you to sell up everything you have, go and live in some far-off land. Perhaps for some of us, that might be something God would ask. But for the majority of us, I've found that as I live a life that says, simply says, Lord, I want to be obedient to what you're saying. 
how I'm handling my relationships, how I'm spending my time, where I'm investing my treasures, what I'm yielding myself and making myself available for, all of those things are simply ways in which you and I respond to God's call. And when I do that faithfully, intentionally, I believe God brings us into all that He has called us to. Because He's called us to preach the gospel that our lives would bring His kingdom. Matthew 24, 14 says, This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Friends, the work is not done yet. And that's why Murdoch is in Zimbabwe at the moment, ministry. That's why we send teams to other parts of the world. That's why we plant churches. Why we are trusting to not just have a gathering here, but in other parts of our city, in other parts of our region. Because people need to know this Jesus that we worship. It's a worthwhile mission getting involved with. I want to just share with you and I just quickly around our purpose campaign. All of you that would sign up for this is going to receive a booklet like this. It is, I think, a powerful, powerful tool for you and I to use. And I want to encourage you, next week when you come, you'll receive one of these. Some of you that are in light groups will already receive them as well. But you can then fill in the notes from Sundays. There are, it is a part for whenever we come together in the week for those purpose groups in people's homes or on Sunday nights. There'll be moments for you to be able to fill in and go on this journey. But then what's really exciting for me is, a, is that there is a six-week daily devotional that you and I can work through. And the authors of this book read the top ten books on purpose. The, the ones on purpose. They read it on purpose. I just always have to clarify. I just always feel like they live. <laughs> and, and they basically drew all of those principles and the things that are there and helped you and I to actually go on a journey together that we would not only come to say, okay, cool, God's made me, but actually, how do I express that? How do I live it in a meaningful way? And if you've got friends or family members that need to hear this, I want to encourage you. Let's invite them. If you want some of the resources and, and they're out of town somewhere else, we can make them available for you. And I want to encourage you to join us uh, for that, especially on uh, Tuesday night when we have a free meal, a banquet, and having that moment together. And so for us as family, can we go on this purpose journey together that we would express those five purposes, that we would begin to unfold and discover them and actually walk it out. But I also wanted to speak to those of you today that are far from God, that perhaps as um, Bertrand Russell, you are a bit skeptical. You realize that God is involved, but it's hard for you to see. This is something that Bertrand Russell's uh, daughter said of him. She says, said that he was born into a Christian home and taught to believe in God, but he rejected his training and began, became an outspoken spoken atheist. His daughter Catherine Tate said of him, Somewhere at the bottom of his heart, in the depths of his soul, there was an empty space that once had been filled by God, and he never found anything else to put in it. Friends, you and I can be living lives, pursuing wealth, happiness, 
trying to fulfill our lives through our relationships or experiences. But ultimately, the only fulfillment that we would ever really experience is when we have a relationship with Jesus. And I want to encourage you today and give you the opportunity to say, I want to, I want to go on the journey. I want to allow myself to be filled with God and live a life that's filled with His purpose and aligned with His will, no longer my own. Can we pray together? If that's you this morning, I want to ask you just to, every eyes are closed, but I want to ask you to be brave and to just raise your hand. I would love to pray with you as you make that decision. Anyone that's committing their lives to Christ today for the first time or perhaps recommitting their lives, you wanting to bring your, your life back to God, if you wouldn't mind just quickly raising your hand so I can pray with you. There's quite a few hands going up today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of these hands that are raised, Lord. I pray for these men and women that are wanting to yield themselves to you, to bring themselves into a life that says, I want to fill my life with you, Jesus. I don't want to live for myself. I want to experience a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you touch them, that they experience your grace and your goodness pouring into them right now. And I thank you, Father, that you snatched them out of darkness and into light today. And that from this day forward, Lord, they would experience your ongoing presence and that they would heal, that they would obey the nudging, the leading of your spirit, Lord. I also pray, Lord, that they wouldn't try and do this alone, but that they would understand that they live a life for your, for, uh, pleasure, for your pleasure, Lord, but also that you're adopting them into your family, which is your church. And I pray, Father, that they would take this moment and that they would not leave here today without being connected, taking a step of faith in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.